open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. Uh, verse 27 is what I'd like to focus on, but definitely uh, within view of its context, verse 26. Ephesians 4, 26 to 27. And uh, before we begin, let me share, I, I do have our Wednesday night studies in view. One of the books I'm reading is a supplement I'll be referring to a bit, and there's something that was in the chapter. It isn't given a lot of attention, but it really st struck me, and I'd like to read it as it relates to uh, the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer. We're studying Wednesday night's lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And uh, how much that relates to the devil, to Satan, who's looking to tempt us and get us to choose to do evil in thought, word, and deed. Uh, so have, have that in view. Uh, Ephesians 4, 26 to 27. Hear now the word of the Lord. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let me read that once more. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your anger, excuse me, your wrath, neither give place to the devil. And we're going to particularly think about the wrong kind of anger and how that gives place. That is our giving place to the devil in our lives. And we don't want to do that. One thing I do want to recognize, though, we won't look at this a lot, but we'll touch on it. Notice there's a command first to be angry. And as I reviewed some of my notes in an article related to this, R.C. Sproul says there's times where we must be angry. There's no other way we should be. And we see that God's anger is spoken of in the scripture, but we recognize it's always a holy anger against sin. And his wrath will burn forever on sinners unless his anger is quenched by the blood of Christ, trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to recognize that the scripture speaks of the Lord often being angry, but it's a holy, righteous anger. And there's times for us to have that same anger. But the danger is, we being sinners, how easily that can slip into sinful, unjust anger. And that's what we're going to have in view today. In particular, verse 27, where it says, neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. And what I was reading this week spoke about that word as a foothold. Don't give a foothold to the devil. And I think that's very helpful to think about it like that. It gets at the idea of it. And the first thing that comes to mind is a foot race. Positively, at least. When we see people running in a race, whether it's, you know, the quick 40, 100 dashes or the long, you know, baton races or marathons, most often, especially in the, in the races uh, around the track, what do you see them start with? They're really careful about getting their feet set just right. It's huge about getting that first step. And often they have what's called starting blocks. They have these little wedge kinds of things. I'm not that knowledgeable about track and field, but uh, I think you've seen them where they, they get their feet both on those wedges, and that gives them a foothold. That gives them a strong opportunity to get the best step forward against their opponents so that they get the best finish ahead of and on top of their opponents. And so Satan tries to get a step on you, to get a step in you, Christian, and to get a step in between you as Christians. You know, I've, as I've mentioned to some of you, I've met with a, another pastor that we get together sometimes. We meet up in Temecula, a similar like-minded church. And um, 
uh, it was sad to hear all the things going on in, in his denomination and others. But one thing it reminds us is that Satan is attacking the church particularly. He's going to look to particularly do it by divisions, although certainly with other sins. Paul says you must be careful not to let him get a foothold. And that is particularly, he warns us, sinful, unjust anger. Christians must not give the devil an opportunity to def de uh, divide and destroy their relationships by way of anger. I give that to you as the main idea we're looking at in our text. Christians must not give the devil an opportunity to divide and destroy their relationships by way of unjust anger. Thinking of that word foothold again. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give him a place. We'll look more at the Greek. We'll flesh this out a bit. But we're particularly thinking of foothold. I think that's, at least for me, something that I can better understand. The Crossing Church, found this online just looking at some things, explains the word foothold literally means place, as we have it translated, uh, and as the Greek bears out. It literally means place and was often used in a military context in reference to an invading army securing a place behind enemy lines from which a deeper attack could be launched. It's the same concept as a beachhead. This is the strategy used by the Allied forces in worldwide, excuse me, uh, World War II to invade Normandy. You might think of the story of, uh, I believe it's Troy, right? The Trojan horse goes in, they, they bring the horse in, and uh, conquering, it, I think, another area, but the, the horse is filled with some, some warriors, but they're not sure what this is. This is a gift. They let it in past the walls of defense, and then at night the soldiers come out and destroy. That's the idea of getting a foothold, getting in. So then you can attack your enemy because you've gotten an opportunity on them and they've let you in. And, and Paul says that's what sinful anger is. It's just opening that gate for Satan to sneak in and then open it up and come out at night. Keep that in mind in the context as well. Vocabulary.com speaks of this word foothold. It could be for climbing a rocky cliff. You know, that's another way to think of it. When you're climbing, you're always looking for something. Yesterday, I took the little guys to a playground on the way home. And there's this kind of a fake mountainy thing, you know. Uh, sometimes you can go pay money to climb cliffs. I don't get it. I'd rather sit and <laughs> watch the ocean. But, you know, and they have those little things you got to find, put your foot on, your hand on. And without those, you can't make any progress or you might fall off, right? And there was this fake plastic one and Gideon was climbing up. He needed me to kind of keep my hand under his little diapered boom boom so he could do it safely. But he pretty much did it. But how did he do it? I said, you got to get that foot. Get that one foot on the cliff, on that, on that, on that little section there. That's what a foothold is, right? To get, ah, now I can advance and get up on top. Again, vocabulary.com, a literal foothold is wide enough for you to fit your foot and sturdy enough to hold your weight. And figuratively, a foothold gives you this same sense of security, usually setting you up to make progress. This sense of foothold dates from the mid-17th century, meaning stable ground from which to act. Don't give the devil stable ground within your life from which to act, to advance. Also, it notes that a foothold in the context of military warfare, again, is in, quote, an area in hostile territory that has been captured, 
and is held awaiting further troops and supplies to conquer you, to conquer your family, to conquer the church. Don't give him an opportunity. Don't let him in. And what lets him in in particular, Paul's warning us about, it must be for a reason, unjust, sinful anger and hatred. What is that foothold for Satan to begin to conquer you, to conquer your relations and your church again? Sinful anger. That is the foothold into your life. That is the opening. That is the opportunity you give Satan every time you give into it. And, and beloved, I hope it frightens you like it does me. I mean, how easy is it to do that? How quickly do we let our guard down with sin flanger? Oh, it starts with little things we reason away, rationalize away, like annoyance, right? Just frustration, you know. He does he only needs the little wedge, right? And he can get in. Look at the context, verse 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Anger, wrath. Now notice, be angry, that is holy, righteous anger, but don't sin upon it. There's that warning. Watch out. You're so in danger to have that holy anger turn into sinful anger. And probably a good way to know is if you're angry when you lay your head on your pillow at night. If you've taken it with you out throughout the day and let it simmer and, and then your head's boiling at night and that's all you can think about, you can't sleep. Don't go to bed like that with sinful anger. It's all about not letting Satan divide and conquer ourselves and our relationships. Look at verses 1 and 2 of the chapter. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Even verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, remember, that was the same heart of Paul in Philippians 2. We preach through and have referred to often. We're to maintain unity. How are we to do that? By having humility. There is no place for humility with unjust anger. True, righteous, biblical anger is humble because it's exalting God and his holy word. But so often it's exalting ourselves in sinfulness. Look at verses 29 to 32 to close the chapter. You're, the sinful anger is going to divide be, between you and yourself and others. But not just that. But look, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Well, we don't speak with salt, season with salt, with anger, sinful anger. We don't edify when we let ourselves speak in sinful anger. Verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed into the day of, rede of redemption. Ah, grieve not the Spirit of God. You know, there's another place the scripture says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. If you and I don't quench our anger, we end up quenching the Holy Spirit. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger, you see, and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Because if you don't, that, that is what gives the devil a foothold in your life. And again, the Greek word, we have it as place. That's correct. It could be an opportunity. Don't give the devil an opportunity. 
or it could be a position. Don't give the devil a position of influence. Uh, or it could be passage. Don't give the devil easy passage into your lives. Anger opens up the door. Sinful anger opens up the door. You see how striking this is when we're studying so much about not letting the devil tempt us and choosing not to sin. And so much of what gives him a stronghold is a foothold, is that first step, that place, the starting block of sinful anger. You got to nip it in the bud. And that's sinful anger. Ronald L. Cole, in the book, Our Ancient Foe, Satan's History, Activity, and Ultimate Demise. And again, that's a book printed by PNR Publishing, uh, putting together lectures from an event with the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. His chapter I'm uh, uh, drawing from today, it's called Malevolent Methodology. Malevolent methodology, that is the really wicked, evil ways that the devil tries to tempt. And he writes this, related to this idea of a foothold. Don't give the devil a foothold, a place in your lives, and it being anger. He says this, a foothold is the very definition of a place. A place where a person may stand or walk securely. A secure position, especially a firm basis for further progress or development. And I'm happy to see he's quoting a dictionary too, dictionary.com. But notice that idea of a firm position to make progress. We don't want Satan to make progress in our lives. Sinful anger is his place of ability to step out and make progress. Cole goes on to write this. Paul is speaking about ungodly anger. When we give way to allowing the fuse of anger to be lit and then explode, we provide a place for the devil to operate in our lives. And once we give him an inch, he takes a mile. And of course, beloved, that mile will become an enormous cavern in our angry hearts, separating us from one another. We're to have the ministry of forgiveness and reconciliation. And that foothold of anger is what keeps it from happening, sinful anger. How often you try to get people to come back together in church and talk, and they won't. And you can say, why? It's sinful anger. Or as a, another related thing, Sinclair Ferguson said, uh, reflecting something else, nothing but that stinking pride. I want to think about the word devil for a minute, this particular name. Now remember, the devil has different names in scripture. But this word is diabolos. And often in the Spanish, Portuguese, many Latin translations, you're going to see diabolos for devil here. And that's the word in the Greek, diabolos. And I share with you what I remembered off, off the cuff on Wednesday, but it is, it is true. I double-checked, uh, thought through it. Uh, Pastor Wallace A. Bell, the minister here for 30 years, he did a series on knowing your enemy, the Satan. And uh, that's been converted from cassette recently, as you know, and put up an MP3 on our sermon audio page. You can go listen to the series. I listened to most of the first one, The Reality of the Devil, the Accuser. And I thought it was striking what he said. I don't remember hearing this before, and I've, I've looked it up to bear witness to it. He said the name Diablos ultimately means divider. 
divider. Makes sense when you think about it, right? Well, let me share, I've done a little bit of looking for that, and uh, this one website, rewildchurch.com, uh, did a study on this, and here's something they wrote. The word diablos, from which we derive the English word diabolical, is associated with the devil and evil, but the word itself, although used to name the devil, doesn't actually translate into devil. Rather, it means to throw apart to separate. The chief aim of the evil one, after all, is division. The devil seeks to divide us from one another, to separate us from the rest of creation, and therefore to alienate us from God. The devil is the spirit of diabolos, division. I mean, isn't that what he did at the very beginning? Oh, we know there were lies and deceit and temptation, but ultimately to make, to fall, and then to accuse. By the way, those are the four things he, Cole talks about in his article, the four main methods of uh, uh, malevolent, malevolent methodology of Satan is to lie, deceive, tempt, and then after you've given in, accuse. One of his other names. Right? After he's gotten you to fall, to keep you down. Right? But notice the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. What did he do? He separated them from God. He divided them. They were in the happy presence of God. And they were kicked out from his presence because of sin. He's a divider. That's what he's looking to do in our church, in our families, in our lives, in our workplaces, in our schools, you name it. But especially where we call ourselves Christians, he's looking to divide us. As Christ says, a house divided itself against itself will not stand. AmericanHeritageGirls.org. I, I found this on the idea of Diablos. I thought it was a good quote. To refer to the devil is to quite liberally acknowledge, literally, excuse me, to refer to the devil is to quite literally acknowledge him as the one who throws us apart, the one who scatters, the one who divides. So, beloved, we must destroy sinful anger in us so the devil does not find an edge upon which to set his foot. The Puritan John Downham, I didn't have his name correct in the bulletin, I quote him in the bulletin today, D-O-W-N-A-M-E. The Puritan John Downham, in a book, The Cure of Unjust Anger, uh, which is given to us by that title, reproduced of his original Puritan work by Reformation Heritage Books. I highly recommend it. He describes anger as this. If we're going to think about anger and being careful not to lay it out there for Satan, then let's remember what it is. Unjust anger in particular. Anger is an affection, he says, an affection in which someone is moved to retaliation in response to a perceived injury or injustice. It's funny, if you'll excuse me, when you're having a couple of toddlers in the house, oh yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> Retaliation. He goes on to say, the injury in question may be either a true injustice or only an injury in one's perception. And it may be an injury against oneself or one's friends, relatives, or some other group. And then he emphasizes the main Old Testament word for anger, off. 
And that word means literally the flaring of the nose. And isn't that what we see happen? The nostrils, you know, the nose kind of goes up at the nostrils, the flaring of the nose. And when it speaks of the Lord having anger, it's the same thing, literally off the flaring of the nose. In this case, we want to be concerned so often when that happens, when we don't have any real reason, no justified reason for it. Then it turns into hatred and wrong. When sinful, he explains, when, when it is sinful, unjust anger, here's a way to, to try to identify it. He says, particularly, it's when we indulge sinfully while justifying it to ourselves. We studied that Wednesday night, didn't we, with Thomas Watson on the sixth petition, the evil of sin. And uh, he said, you know, we rationalize it away. And we saw that recently in studies I brought from the same book to, uh, you know, to Lord's Day sermons recently. We rationalize. He gets us to think it's reasonable, rationalize. We start to justify sin to ourselves, not even out of emotions. I mean, when we really, we make a choice ultimately with sin. And so we rationalize to ourselves. Well, you got to understand the situation. Well, you got to understand they did it first, right? And Thomas Watson brought that out. We justify, we indulge in ourselves sinfully and we justify our sinful anger. Instead, beloved, hear the warning, the purging, the cleansing of what you sang in Psalm 37 this morning, verses 8 and 9. Cease from anger. Now, of course, Scripture has to be balanced and context is king. Paul says, be angry, but don't sin. Don't get into evil anger. And this is, of course, saying cease from sinful, self-indulging anger. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Heed also James 4 verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And beloved, as we give our attention more to Ephesians 4 today, verse 27. An important way we resist the devil that he flees from us. Is to put out the sinful anger. Take away what would be his foothold to get in and advance. If we're to resist him, it seems to me a really important way we need to recognize the scripture. Interpreting scripture would say is put out the sinful anger from within and amongst you. And then be encouraged with no foothold. He'll flee from us. Now think about that, beloved. How often if we quench our sinful anger instead of quench the Holy Spirit, think about how Satan would flee from us so quickly. Because there's nothing to work with. Be not only warned, but encouraged by this. Uh, Mr. Pastor Noel in his book is saying, you know, the problem is we don't pay attention to the warnings of Scripture enough. And then we don't do anything about it. And then we get hit by Satan hard, even though we do know what is said about it. We don't take it seriously. Pay attention to it and be ready with the armor of God, of course. And prayer, as we'll think about tonight. First, 
As an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, we must remove the causes of unjust anger before they take hold of our minds to give him something to take hold of our minds. So John Downham guides us through how to extinguish self-love, extinguish pride, extinguish covetousness, extinguish fastidiousness, which means, hear this people, perfectionism. If it ain't done my way, I'm angry. Extinguish vain curiosity. Extinguish listening to talebearers. That means stop listening to gossip. Ex and, and extinguish these things and a lack of mediation while laboring for patience. He challenges us to bridle anger. Have that view like bridling horse, pulling it back. Bridle anger for one entire day, no matter what. And then to build on that daily until it develops into a new habit. He says, for custom will alter nature. There's an encouragement for us. I want to challenge you. How about one day this week? Pick it, you know, don't say, and then see how it spills into a week. Go for a week. No unjust anger. There's a place for righteous anger, but no unjust anger. And that's usually the bigger issue. Catch yourself. No matter what, I'm not giving a foothold to Satan. I'm not giving. That's what you say to yourself. Satan, I'm not giving you a foothold. I repent and I recant of this unjust anger. God helping me. Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to make progress in piety. Help me to get rid of this anger before it even begins. And even when there's a righteous anger, the point should be for reconciliation and forgiveness. Try it for one day. But what to do when we have given into unjust anger? What when we have? I mean, how often is that the case? What do we do? As Ephesians 4.26 instructs us, part of our text let not the sun go down upon your wrath. You don't have to keep giving yourself over to sinful anger. You can turn off the hose. As we say, no fuel, no fire. John Downham prescribes the following to quickly get control of ourselves so that we don't let ourselves go to bed and the sun go down with sinful anger in our hearts. One... By not feeding the fire. Proverbs 10, verse 19. Don't feed the fire. And of course, that's what happens when we're sinfully angry. Well, that's all we do is we find this and that, rip it apart and throw it in. Burn brighter and stronger. More smoke, right? So number one, don't feed the fire. Number two, he says, proactively withdraw from others. He gives the example in, with Jonathan, I believe, 1 Samuel 20, verse 34. Leave the room. Get away from the provocation. If it's not good and holy provocation, according to Hebrews, get away from it. Leave. Number three, restrain from outbursts. Restrain from outbursts. James 1, verse 19. Once you let yourself, you know, once you take the, the thing off, right? Gosh, it's hard to put it back on. Number four, stop to think and cool off in the spirit. 
John 7:38. Cool off. He gives, I believe, he gives the illustration of uh, if you have a hot iron, throw it in the water. Cools off fast. Now, I always caution today, no, don't do that today because now there are electric irons. In his day, they were heated by the fire. So, you know, don't do that now. What would we do? Just unplug it. Just unplug the iron. You know, it's funny. It doesn't take that long for it to cool off. You need to stay away from it still a little while. Unplug it. Once it's cooled down, it can't do any harm. But it's so important to do that, to try to not let sin flanger get a hold in your life, because that is the foothold for Satan in your life. Once the devil gets a foothold in your heart, he crams his other leg down your throat. Consider Paul says, do not let the sun go down on your sinful anger. It's a daily discipline. Help me, Lord. And it's a daily need to pay attention to these things. But here's the thing, beloved. When you do go to bed angry, I want to encourage you to think about a time. Maybe that time where you chose to slept on the couch, husband or wife, right? Or whatever. Uh, didn't go to bed with, well, and didn't speak or didn't pray. Uh, you know, it's interesting. A, a pastor friend of mine, he shared that uh, his, hus- his wife and he have made an agreement. There's no sleeping on the couch. No matter what, you sleep in the same bed. That shows you everybody's dealing with this, right? But we don't want to protect against division. But if you go to bed angry, it's like you go to bed without brushing your teeth. It's like you go to bed without flossing your teeth at bedtime. All the food and sugar and plaque builds into tartar. It gets a foothold on and between your teeth. It builds into tartar. It eats away and causes cavities while you sleep. You have more pain and there ultimately is bleeding. And then you will need to have an operation or even worse, pull the tooth altogether. That's what it's like to go to bed with sinful anger. You know, when the sun goes down, you find yourself fuming. Don't let it burn a hole in your pillow. Get up, call the person, go to the next room and say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Whatever the response might be. But if you're on the other side, say, I forgive you. I love you. At least pour something on it with the Holy Spirit and the blood of Christ. So that it doesn't become this thing that will start to eat at and devour your heart. Because when you wake up that, then there's no mercy and joy in the morning. There's just all that had been happening that night as Satan has a foothold in you, bringing in his demons through that fake horse, ready to wreak havoc in you and your lives. Consider that instead of going to bed with your spouse in peace, when you lay down in sinful anger, you are laying next to Satan. Speaking his lies in your ears. Good night. And that will not make for a good morning or day to come. Rather, it gives Diabolos an opportunity, passage, place in you most vulnerable area, in your most vulnerable areas to divide and conquer you and your family, your relations, your church, our state. Don't let this happen. Be ye angry. And sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Beloved, don't give the devil a foothold in your life with sinful anger. And that is the message for you from this text today. Don't give the devil a foothold in your life 
with sinful anger. Let us pray. O Lord God in heaven, we ask your blessing upon us. We pray, O Lord, thank you for your Bible. Let us open and read it, and Holy Spirit, open our hearts to it, that we would remember these things and put them together and resist Satan that he would flee from us by not giving a foothold in us to be able to pursue us by getting rid of sinful, unjust anger. Lord, help us to remember these things and to major on such things. And we do thank you, Lord, that your holy, right, righteous, and just anger toward us because of our sin was paid for by Christ. So we have peace and reconciliation with you and a relationship that we will enjoy forever in the new heavens and the new earth. Let us have that same ministry of reconciliation and peacemaking, O Lord. As we are careful to resist the devil that he would flee from us, removing any stone where he might lay his foot and come in. Removing any opening or passage or doorway where he might come in and, and make a home and bring his demons behind him. Oh Lord, protect us, we pray. And cleanse our hearts and renew a right spirit within us. And we pray, Holy Spirit, you do these things. We pray for more and a double portion of the Holy Spirit to do these things by your gracious power. And we do pray, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.